Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue the series that um, Pastor Justin has been going through called The Exodus, that we've been talking about the, the Exodus for the past couple weeks. And, and really, what, what's I, I, I love this story because it really is kind of the linchpin of the entire Old Testament and the story of the Israelite people, that this is like the foundational story of God's people in the Old Testament, so much so that that God's people, the Jewish people today, are still celebrating and remembering what God did for them thousands of years before. That, that's how important this story really is. And so pa- Pastor Justin began week one, you know, really kind of talking about God's timing. That, that, you know, sometimes it looks like, all right, God, have you forgotten about us? Do you not know what's going on? But we, that we can always trust that God's timing is perfect. Even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it, God's timing isn't necessarily lining up with our timing, we know that we can still trust him regardless. And then last Sunday, Pastor Justin was talking about the four promises that God made to the Israelite people, and that those four promises, that we still are believing those promises for us today. And, and so, like our church, we even base our, our church on these four things of wanting people to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and ultimately to go out and make a difference. That, that's really what we have tried to base our church on, are those four promises that God made to the Israelite people. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to continue that story of the Exodus. And, and what, what I love about this is this story doesn't play out exactly like the Israelites thought it was going to play out. It, God, God did something totally different and, and had something totally different in mind than what they were thinking. And so just to kind of catch you up, if you're new to this series or new to the, new to the Bible, new to this story overall, that the, the Israelite people, they were God's chosen people. They had been enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years that they, they, they had been treated harshly, terrible conditions, brutalized for four centuries. And God finally said, you know what? I'm going to raise up a man and we're going to lead our people out of Egypt to go to a promised land that, that God had promised to Abraham hundreds of years before that. And so God raised up Moses to be the man to, to lead his people out of, out of Egypt, out of bondage, going to, to this promised land. And, and what, what, What's so interesting about this, though, is obviously the Egyptians weren't necessarily on board with this plan of, of letting the Israelites go. I mean, like the, the Israelites, they, they provided free labor. You know, like they, 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 they were slaves and they had been slaves for 400 years. The, the Egyptians weren't just about to say, all right, well, have fun. Thanks for working with us for a while and send you on your way. I mean, th- think, of, think of the South before the Civil War. I mean, they weren't really willing to just voluntarily give up their, their slaves. We fought a very bloody, long war uh, uh, to, free, to free other people. And so when, when people own others, when people own slaves, it's not like they're willing to voluntarily just give them up. Like they, they, have, they have some comfortability that, that's already been established there. And so what we're going to do is we're really going to kind of look at that next step of, all right, how does God actually lead his people out of bondage and out of captivity. So we're going to start in Exodus chapter 7, 
We're going to read verses two through five here real quick. And it says, and this is God speaking to Moses right now. And he says, so you are to say everything I command you and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Now, now just think about that for a minute. This is, this is God's plan. He said, all right, Moses, you and Aaron, you're going to go walk into Pharaoh's court and you're just going to up and demand that all of, all of your people are going to be set free. I mean, and if, if you know Moses' story, he had actually killed an Egyptian years before. Moses was still a wanted man. They knew who he was. And so God is going to send Moses, this wanted man, into Pharaoh's court and say, hey, by the way, all of, all of my Hebrew people, we're, we're going to leave. I mean, I, I mean imagine that. that. That's a pretty dangerous situation. Just to give it kind of a, a modern context, I, I, imagine like a, a Jew around World War II had killed a Nazi officer and decides he's going to go into Hitler's officer war room and demand that all the, all the Jews that were in the concentration camps be let go. I mean, like, you think, oh, that's kind of a crazy idea. That's a pretty, that's a pretty dangerous thought, a pretty dangerous plan. But, you know, Moses, Moses was a pretty bold guy. I mean, he, he, he really was a bold guy. And, and he, he knew that God was going to be with him. And so God knew what was going to happen, though. God, God knew what was going to happen, that, that he, he told Moses, he said, you know what, you're going to go in there, you're going to demand that our people be let go, but, God, but Pharaoh's not necessarily going to listen to you. Like, again, like I, like I told you about this Nicaragua trip, nothing catches God off guard. God's not surprised by anything. And, and so when, when, when he, he told Moses, I'm going to have you go in there, but he, but he says something very unique. He, say, he says something, and this is, this has really challenged me for a while. He said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And, and, and you think, well, well, that's odd. And, and I literally, I did a lot of, of research. I read a lot of commentaries and theologians, people who know a lot more than me on this. And so I'm going to just kind of share with you my thoughts of, of really kind of what, what that means. Is I think God already knew the wickedness that was in Pharaoh's heart and was just going to honor the choices that Pharaoh had already made. That, that, that God, God knew that Pharaoh's heart was already, had already been turned and he was just going to honor those choices. I mean, God does that all the time in people's lives. If people choose to reject him, he's going to honor the choice that you've, that you've already made. And so re- regardless, if, if you know the story, Moses and Aaron, they go, into, into go, they go into see Pharaoh and they demand that the Israelites be set free. And Pharaoh, of course, says, no, I'm, I'm not doing that get out of here. You're crazy. And, and so then what happens is one by one, God sends a series of plagues upon Egypt. God sends a, a series of plagues uh, upon Egypt really to eventually bring Egypt to its knees. You know, there, there was a, a plague of, of darkness. The, the Nile River got turned to blood. There was a plague of flies, a plague of locusts, a, a plague of hail. I, I mean, I'm not going to go through all, all 10 of the plagues, but there was, there was a series of just calamities that God sent upon Egypt to finally kind of break the, the will of Pharaoh and break the will of the Egyptians so that they would eventually let his people go. 
And like I said, I'm not going to go through all of them. But there really is like one thing that I just found so unique and so interesting about this that I really want you to capture about these 10 plagues that like, like all societies and cultures at the time, the Egyptians were polytheistic. They believed in many, many different gods. They, have, they had gods for everything. They had a sun god and a moon god and a river god and, and a fertility god and a, and a god of livestock and, and all of this. And, and what's, what's, what's so amazing about these 10 plagues, if, if you go through them, that one by one, God starts demonstrating his superiority over all of the false gods of the Egyptians. Like, like, if you think about it, you know, he says, oh, you know what? You have a sun god? Well, that's cute. Watch, I'm going to blot out the sun. You know, you, you have, you have a, a god of the river? Well, that's really cute. Guess what? I'm going to turn that river to blood. You, you have a goddess of the sky? Oh, that's really cute because I'm going to rain hail down from the sky. Like, like one by one, God demonstrates his superiority over all of those different false gods that, that the Egyptians believed in. And, and finally, God sends one final plague upon Egypt. And, and it's called the, the plague of the firstborn. And, and what God tells Moses, he said, all right, Moses, here's what's going to happen. The firstborn son of every family in Egypt is going to be killed. You think, wow, <laughs> that's kind of devastating. And he, and he says, with, with one exception, though. He said, I want you to go and I want you to tell all the Israelites, I want you to go and sacrifice a lamb. And I want you to take the blood of the lamb and I want you to put it on the doorposts of your home. Put, that, put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home. Man, this is, this is a message in and of itself, I, but that's for a, a different day. And he said, and then when I come to strike down the firstborn son of every, of every family in Egypt, when I see the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, I'm going to pass over your house and I'm going to go to the next one down. That, that's why the Jews today still celebrate the Passover, that, that is celebrating God passing over their home and protecting them when, he, when, the, when this plague of the firstborn came upon Egypt. And that's exactly what happened. That, that just as God said, you know, he, he came through in, in the night, the death angel came through and struck down the firstborn son of, of every family in Egypt, except for those that had the, bl- <laughs> that had the blood of the lamb on the, on the doorposts. I mean, it, oh, I wish I could go into that. It gives me goosebumps right here. I'm, but that, I tell you, that's a, that's a story for a different day. But, but I tell you, that, but it happened exactly what God said, that, that the firstborn sons of all the, all the Israelites were spared because they had had the blood of the lamb applied to their home. And so, you know, you think about it, and you say, man, this, this sounds pretty brutal. And, and, and let's be honest, it is. You know, like, it's, it's a pretty brutal story. But there's something I want you to hear from this, and I want you to write this down in your sermon notes, that the 10 plagues that were sent upon Egypt were acts of justice and mercy. They were acts of justice and mercy. And I want to kind of explain that to you. That it, it was, it, these were acts of justice because God was well within his right to punish the Egyptians for brutalizing his people for 400 years and refusing to let them go. That they had worshipped these false gods and perpetuated the, this false religion around the world. Like God was well within his right to punish them for that. All right, that's, that's the justice part of it. But the mercy side of it was God could have done much more. Like the, God's intention wasn't necessarily, all right, I'm going to get even with these Egyptians. They're going to pay. That's not, that's not necessarily what it was. That when, when, I, when I was telling you that one by one, he, he really kind of was demonstrating his superiority over all the false gods 
in Egypt, he was, trying to, he was trying to appeal to them and say, you know what? You've been worshiping false gods. You, you've, you've been serving deities that aren't real. I'm the one true God. And I want, and I want, I want your hearts to be made right with me. That, 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 it really was an act of mercy that he was giving Pharaoh, he was giving the Egyptians another chance to have a change of heart. And so, and, and, and I tell you, it, it's, it's, really, it's really amazing Pharaoh's response to this, that, that after, that after the, the plague of the firstborn come and, and Pharaoh's son had been, had been killed in this plague, he summons Moses and Aaron. And I, I tell you guys, I, I've, read this, I've read this story dozens of times over my life. I've never once caught this until I was preparing for this message here. And so I want to read to you what, what Pharaoh says in Exodus chapter 12, verses 31 to 32. It says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, Leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me. And also bless me. That, that's the part I had never quite seen before as, I, as I've read this story before. That, that Pharaoh, he had had this hardened heart. He was, he was not going to let the Israelites go. And he had finally kind of been, been brought to his knees you know, kind of, he's submitted saying, God, all right, I get it. You win. You win. But not only that, he, he was at his lowest point and he recognized, wow, you know what? This God that Moses has been talking about, he, he's got powers beyond anything I've ever seen. He, he's, he, he's able to do things that I, I've never been able to comprehend. And he calls, he says to Moses, will you bless me? Will you bless me? Somebody that, that he had been persecuting his people and brutalizing his people. And he finally comes to this point of saying, wow, you know what, Moses, there's something special about you. There's something special about your God. I need you to bless me. Wow, what, what an act of, of mercy that is. And for a, a brief moment, it kind of appears that Pharaoh's heart has maybe been softened, softened to the things of God. That, that's gonna change momentarily. But, but he really did have that, that brief change of heart. And so the Israelites, they, they, they're freed, they, and they start getting out of Dodge. And not only, not only do they start going, but the, the Egyptians, they, they start giving them supplies for their journey. They, they start giving them jewelry and, 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 and um, livestock and, and grain and all this stuff for, for their trip. And they start, the whole lot of them starts heading out, heading out of Egypt. God has freed them. They're getting ready to go and they're heading out of Egypt. And they start making their way to the promised land, that, that land that God had promised to Abraham hundreds of years before. And they're heading out, and in front of them is the Red Sea. They start walking, and in front of them, they come up to the Red Sea. And there's no, there's no bridges across the Red Sea. There's no ferries to take them across or anything. And just as they're approaching the Red Sea, Pharaoh decides he's going to have a little bit of a change of heart. He's going to have a change of heart. And, and I'll read you kind of what his, his account here in Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 through 6. It says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and two his army with him. So, so let me tell you this. this. This is just something totally, just kind of a side message right here. I tell you, if you've ever been freed from something, I want you to know that the devil's going to be right there pursuing you trying to drag you right back to where you were before. 
All right, if you have ever been set free from something, you can be sure that Satan's going to be pursuing you. The devil is going to be following you and his desire is to drag you back to where you were before. And, and I'll tell you, it, at that moment, we really do kind of have a choice. And that's what the Egyptians, they had, they had a choice. They had the Red Sea in front of them. They had Pharaoh's army behind them and they were trapped in a way. And I want you to write this down in number two, that when my back is up against a wall, I can choose faith or fear. That then when you feel trapped, when you feel like your back is up against the wall, you have nowhere to go, you can choose one of two things. You can choose faith or you can choose fear. This is true if you get a bad medical diagnosis. This is true if you face some monumental financial crisis when, when a relationship bottoms out. When, when, when all you can see is calamity on the horizon, you have one of two responses that you can choose from. You can choose faith or you can choose fear. And we're going to read right now what, what, the, what the Israelites decided. Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, how about that? How, how about that response, huh? Like, I, I tell you, fear will do some crazy things to you. Fear, fear will mess with your mind. It will mess with your head. I mean, like how quickly they were to turn on the one that had just led them out, out of captivity. How quickly they were, they were quick to, to place the blame and said, Moses, like, really? You brought us out so we could die here? And, and then they get nasty and sarcastic with them. Oh, were there not enough graves in Egypt? That you, I, mean, I mean, think about that. I mean, they, 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 how quickly their fear made them turn on Moses, how quickly their fear made them essentially turn on God in a way that God had promised them that he was going to see them through. I tell you, fear messes with your memory. Like, like, imagine that. Imagine thinking, man, it would have been better to be brutalized and enslaved than to be here where we are now. Like, like think of that selective memory for a minute. Man, you remember the good old days when we were slaves? I mean, like, nobody has ever said that ever in the history of the world. Well, except maybe, <laughs> except maybe the Israelites, you know? And, and, and I'll tell you, it, it's easy to kind of rag on, on the Israelites here. You know, it, it, it really is. If you follow their story through their 40 years in the wilderness and all this, it, it's easy to kind of point to them and say, man, what a bunch of complainers, bunch of, what a bunch of babies and all this. Uh, but, but I guess I, I do want to kind of, I want to cut them a little bit of slack. And, and, and I'll tell you this, the, the Egyptians had been their source and their providers for 400 years. Like, like literally they had known nothing else. The, the Egyptians provided their food, provided their clothes, provided a place for them to stay. Like the Egyptians had been everything to the Israelites for 400 years. Like they, they had never known anything different. And so now all of a sudden they were having to start this journey of trusting a God that they had not seen nor heard from nor worshiped in over four centuries. So I'll, I'll cut them a little bit of slack. You know, like th this is going to take some time for them to, to truly trust Trust God that he's going to be a, a, a God of his word. But, but I'll tell you, I really do love this story for, for a number of reasons. And, and one of them is this whole dynamic of, of faith and fear. And, and so 
you know, it, because be, between faith, fear, and trusting God, you know, that, that's such a key part of, of this story. And so I really want to just kind of spend the, the, the last part of our message here just kind of sharing with you, how do I choose faith over fear? How can I really choose faith over fear? And I, I have four things I want to share with you. I want you guys to write this down. So letter A is, you can choose faith over fear by believing the promises of God. You need to believe the promises of God. And, and I tell you, if we're going to be people of faith and not be people of fear, we need to trust and believe the promises that God has made. That, that, that God had told them, hey, I'm taking you out and I'm leading you, get this, to the promised land. Like it's even in the name. Like this is the promised land that, that I told Abraham. Abraham, your people are going to inherit this land. It's promised to you. And, and, and you know, if God says he's going to do something, well, then we know and we trust that he is going to do it. God is not a liar. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all, not some, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. That we need to agree with the promises that God has made. We need to agree with those promises that God has made concerning our lives, concerning our future, our, our, our family, all, all of that. But in order to believe God's promises, we have to know what they are. Like, right? I mean, we, we can't believe something that we don't know. And so if, if we're going to believe the promises of God, we really have to know what they are. We need to know what God's word says about our life and about our situations. So I, I, I have something here for, for everybody on your way out. I made 220 copies of this, so probably one for family or so. And it's 32 scriptures about fear and anxiety. These are different things that God says to you, that when you're feeling fearful, when you're feeling anxious, that God has certain promises, God has certain things that he has told you that he is going to do for you. And so what I want you to do, I have these at guest services on your way out today, grab one of these. Grab one of these and start speaking these. Start reading through them. Start knowing what does God say? What are God's promises for me? And I'll tell you this. You need to personalize them. Right? These aren't just abstract things. Oh, that was for somebody else at a different time. No, God, I need this for me. I'm feeling fearful now and I need this in my life. And I'll tell you, start to speak these verses over your life and over your situation. Start to speak these scriptures over you. And pretty soon you'll start to believe them. And, and I'll tell you this though, the, these verses and scriptures, that they're not magical incantations, all right? You, you don't say the right magic words and all of a sudden, boom, everything's great and it works out and the fear is gone. It, does, it doesn't necessarily work like that. But there is something, something happens when you start repeating God's word and God's promises over your life. And over your situations, something happens, all right? It's not, like I said, it's not magical incantations, but it changes the way you think. God's word changes the way you think. It changes the way that you react. Um, I, I, I want to show you a picture that I, I've been, I actually just finished a book just recently about some families that were, that were heading out west on the Oregon Trail. And all right, just a side note here. How many loved playing the Oregon Trail computer game back in the day? All right. All right, not nearly enough of you. All right, I tell you, it was, this was a beautiful thing when I was growing up. It was, it was awesome. But, but I, I tell you, like, this is, this is actually a, a picture taken just recently. 
And if you go, you can actually see portions of the Oregon Trail still today. Like these are ruts that the wagon trains left going along the countryside. And what's amazing about that, I want you to think about this for a minute, that wagon, wagons, covered wagons have not ridden, driven this trail in over 100 years. Yet you can still see the path. You can still see the well-worn ruts that are there from all those trains that did it for years and years. Wagon after wagon after wagon took this path. And because of that, you can still see it today. Well over 100, 150 years later, you can still see it. And I tell you, that's what happens when you start speaking scriptures over your life. You start creating some new pathways. You start creating some new ways of thinking. You start creating some new ways of of reacting when things happen in your life so that when stuff happens, you can head down that well-worn path that you've already blazed because you've been speaking those scriptures over your life. So do it. Believe Believe God's promises. Speak them over your life and over your situations. Letter B about how do we choose faith over fear. We need to prepare for the storm before it comes. We need to prepare for the storm before it comes. Proverbs 30, 25 says this, that answer creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. They store up their food in the summer. Think think about this for a minute. What, What the author's saying here, he's saying, you know what, ants, nobody has to teach them that, you know what, winter is a bad time to start preparing for winter. Like they start preparing and they start saving up their food months and months in advance. They start getting prepared well before it happens. And, and I'll tell you this, the middle of a storm is not the time to try to develop faith in God. All right, that, that's not the time to try to do it. Like we, we, can, we can nurture and develop and grow our, our relationship and our faith with God well before that storm comes. That, that, that would be the, the ideal situation. And we do this by, by thanking God, by acknowledging him in the good times, by acknowledging him and, and keeping record of, of those things that he's done while things are great. Because once the calamity comes, all of a sudden, I, I told you, fear does crazy things with your mind. It messes up with the way you think. It messes up your memory. And so if you start taking note of those miracles, taking note of God's faithfulness in the good times, it's going to help you weather the, the storms. It's going to help you weather the tough times. Uh, my family... I, 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 this is years ago, I, I, I preached and shared with you guys about this, that we have something that we call our book of remembrance, that literally we, we write down as a family times that God has answered our prayers, times that God has provided for us when it didn't seem to be a way, times that God has worked out miracles, times that God has proven himself faithful to us, because we want to have a record so that when we're going through a tough time, we can go back to that and remind ourselves and encourage ourselves, say, no, you know what? God did this before, and you know what? We know he's going to do it again. We know that God is going to be faithful because he's proven it to us over and over and over. And sometimes, guys, I'll, I'll tell you this. David even talked about this. He said, sometimes you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you can't wait for a pastor or wait for a church service or wait for some other believer to encourage you. Sometimes you need to be able to encourage yourself, and you can do that by remembering God's goodness, by remembering his faithfulness in the good times, because it'll help you weather those storms when they do come. Letter C, how do we choose faith over fear? We need to be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. Galatians chapter five, 
Verses seven through nine says this. I love this passage. This is Paul talking. He says, he's talking to the Galatian church. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. What Paul's saying is, he said, hey, you've been listening to some people that have been taking you off path. You've been listening to some people that have been taking you away from the truth. And that's not, you've not been listening to God because that's not his voice talking to you. You've been listening to somebody else. And I tell you, we need to be careful who we listen to, especially in times of difficulty, especially in times of trouble. Because, and I guess I'll just ask you this question. Who are you surrounding yourself with when trouble comes in your life? Who is it are you surrounding yourself with? Are, are, you, are you surrounding yourself and, and trying to find people who are going to um, tell you what you want to hear? People who are already going to agree with you? People who are going to commiserate with you? You know, let, let me give you an example. Let, let's say you're having trouble in your marriage. Do you go to the friend who's going to tell you, yeah, I told you you should have never married that loser in the first place. Like, do you go to that person? Well, no. The answer is no, you don't. And if you are going to that person, stop. All right? You need to be careful about who you're listening to. Don't go to people who are going to speak death over you. You need to find faith-filled people who are going to speak life. You need to find faith-filled people who are going to speak encouragement over you. And I tell you, this happened, this happened later in, in the story of the Israelite people that, that, you know, they were getting ready to enter the promised land. Spoiler alert, they made it through. Uh, and they're getting ready to, to enter the promised land and they send spies they send 12 spies into the promised land just to kind of get a lay of the land and all this. And the spies come back. And 10 of them said, you know what? No, they're too big. This is going to be too hard. We can't do this. It, it, we may as well go back. But there were two. There were two, Joshua and Caleb. They said, no, 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 no. God told us this is ours. And we're going to do it by the glory of God. And the sad thing is, guys, guess what? The Israelites, they listened to the, to the naysayers. They decided to follow after those that said, no, 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 this is too hard. The people are too big. We can't do it. And when, I, I, I'll tell you this, you got to be careful who you listen to because when, when the Israelites were, were filled with fear, thankfully they had Moses there to speak life over them. And, and I want to read to you what, what Moses had to say because he didn't agree with their fear. He didn't join in their worry. He spoke words of faith over them. I want to I read you Moses' response. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Moses answered the people. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And, and you want to know what's so amazing about this. If, if, you, if you read through this account of God freeing the, the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses spoke those words before he knew what God was going to do. God had not yet told him about parting the Red Sea yet. God had not yet told him about, you know, holding your, your hand out over the sea and watching it, it, it spread and all this. Moses was speaking those words before he knew what God was going to do. Man, what a man of faith. Isn't that amazing? And, and I tell you, some of you in this room today, you need to find some people who are going to speak some life over you. You need to find some people who are going to speak encouragement over your life and over your situation, not people who are going to just go down in the dumps with you. I'll, I'll tell you this. It, it, do you guys ever remember like the Saturday Night Live skit, Debbie Downer? 
All right, Debbie Downer and Negative Nancy, they will never help you achieve victory in your life, ever. That's just a fact, all right? You agree, those people who speak life and speak, or excuse me, who speak death, the Negative Nancys and the Debbie Downers of life will never help you achieve victory in your life. You need to surround yourself with some faith-filled people because there's gonna be sometimes you don't have any faith. You've heard PJ say this before. You know what? If you don't have faith in this situation, borrow mine. And I'll, and I'll speak that faith over you. And I'm, I'm going to believe with you, even when your faith is weak. So be careful. Be careful who it is that, that you're listening to when you're, going, when you're going through a tough time. And letter D, last one. Remember that everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything worthwhile is uphill. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And this applies to everything in life. Anything that is worthwhile, anything that is worth fighting for is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Freedom doesn't come easy. It's, it's, just, it's just a fact. You know, when, 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 when America fought for its freedom, we fought for seven years and thousands of people died for that freedom. It wasn't easy. You know, for, for us to free Europe from the tyranny of Nazism, like six years that war lasted and 50 million people died. But it was worth it. Like it, it was hard. It was going to be an uphill battle, but it was going to be worth it. If you ask anybody who's ever gotten out of debt, it's not easy. You know you have to make sacrifices. You know it's going to be hard. You ask anybody who has ever fought an addiction, Anybody who's ever been set free from an addiction, you know that is hard. So you have to fight for your sobriety. And I tell you this, anything worthwhile is uphill. Sometimes we just have to remind ourselves, you know what? This is going to be a battle. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. So what do we do? So, so I, I, you know, I, I, I hope I've convinced you, hopefully I didn't even need to convince you, that we need to choose faith over fear. We need to trust him. We need to trust that God is going to work things out in our, on our behalf. We need to trust that he is good. You heard Pastor Raul said he's good all the time, and all the time God is good. We need to trust that he has got our back. And, and I'm sure everybody here knows the rest of this story for the Israelites, that, that when their backs were up against the wall, God tells Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to stretch your hand over the water. And all of a sudden, the Red Sea parts. And it's this wide swath opens up and they can walk through on dry ground with these giant walls of water on both sides of them. And once they, once they made it safely through, the Egyptians, they pursued them and eventually God closed up the water and, and drowned all of their pursuers. And, it's, it's, and this is an amazing story. It's an amazing story of God's faithfulness to his people. It's, amazing, it's an amazing story of God keeping his promises. That God promised, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see you through this. I'm going to free you. I'm going to take you to that promised land. But you have to trust me. You have to trust me. You have to trust me. It, it's, it's an amazing story of God doing the miraculous for his people. And, and, and I'll tell you this, guys. This story involved real people. Like this was happening in real time for them. Like this isn't just like a, a, a fanciful story. Oh, you know what? That's great. No, this actually happened. And these people really felt 
true fear, true dread in, in that moment. And like Moses, I mentioned this before, they didn't know the end of the story yet. Like they didn't have the book of Exodus that they could read a couple chapters more and see that God was going to bring them through. They, they, they really had a choice to make that the, these events were really unfolding in front of them. And, and I'll tell you, the same is true for us. We don't know the end of our story, whether it be a bad medical diagnosis, like I mentioned before, whether it be some kind of family strife or issue or relationship problem, an issue at work, maybe you got fired, you know, whatever it could be. You don't, you don't necessarily know how the story is going to end. Just like, just like the Israelites didn't. They, didn't. they didn't know how the book of Exodus ends. But, but I tell you this, in the middle of that, I do know this, God is still in control. I know that God is still good and I know that God will see you through it. And it, not, it might not be easy. But like I said, everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything worth fighting for. Or every, everything good in your life is worth, is worth fighting for. So choose faith instead of fear. Because that's the key. Faith is a choice. All right, it's not just going to happen. We need to choose to trust God. We need to choose to believe him. If he's done the impossible for, before, I really know that he can do it again. So I, I'm going to invite you just to stand right now. And I, I just want to pray over you this morning, New Song. And I want to pray for you, especially those who are, who are waiting on God and believing him for a miracle. Because it seems like, man, I, I, don't, know, I, don't, know what it, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen. But God, I need you to do something. Because I look in front of me and I see the Red Sea and I look behind me and I see Pharaoh's army I don't know what's going to happen. God, I need you to work a miracle. I want to pray for those who feel like their back is up against the wall and it doesn't look like there's any way out. So if you would, would you just close your eyes? And if this is for you today, great. I want you to receive this. If this is not, just tuck this in your pocket and hold on to it for some time because you'll be there. You'll be there at some point. But let me just pray over you. God, you, you truly are awesome, Lord. God, you are amazing. Lord, you are a miracle-working God. And Lord, I'm so thankful, God, that you are still in the miracle-working business. God, that you're always faithful to keep your promises. And Lord, I'm praying today, I'm praying today for those who are believing you to be a keeper of your word. God, Lord, we trust you this morning and we put our full faith and our full hope and our full trust in you. God, we trust that you are working things out on our behalf. We trust that you're making a way, Lord, where it doesn't seem to be Anyway, God, we know that you're good and that you're working all things out for our good, God, because we love you and we're called according to your purposes. Lord, I lift up my friends this morning, God, who feel tired, who feel weary, who feel weak, Lord, that they've been facing a battle and they feel like they've been losing. God, I'm praying for my friends, Lord, who want to trust you. They want to put their faith in you, Lord. And they look around, God, and it seems like you're not there, like you've forgotten about them, Lord. Father, be the lifter of their heads this morning. God, encourage their hearts. Let them see your goodness. God, make a way for them. Give them victory. Work out a miracle on their behalf, Lord. God, let them see and know that you are still at work on their behalf. God, we declare today and we believe, Lord, that you truly are awesome. We know there's nothing too big, too hard, too difficult. God, there's no, no situation that's too far gone. 
for you to redeem and to make right. God, so that's what we're praying for this morning, God. We're praying that you are gonna make some things right. Make some things right in our lives, Lord. God, we're gonna praise you. We're gonna tell others of your goodness. God, we're gonna thank you. God, you truly are amazing, God, and we are just believing that you are gonna do some great things in the hearts and lives of your people, Lord, because all of your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, even when we don't see it, Lord. Now bless my friends. God, give them the best week they've ever experienced, Lord. Go with them. God, bring us back together again next week in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. New song. We love you guys so very much. I, what I want to do is I'm going to invite our, our prayer team to come forward. And I want you to know if you are facing something, if you're going through a trial or need a miracle, I want you to come forward and let, let a member of us pray for you, pray and believe life over you. The rest of you guys have a great, great week. We'll see you guys next Sunday. We love you guys. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.